Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott is alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Hey, Sean. How's it, <laughs> How's it going? I'm on vacation. Yeah, you are on vacation. Uh, a big holiday here for government workers in the nation's capital. You're deciding to take the whole week off. Yeah, Sean. I've uh, been traveling a lot for work, uh, and I haven't taken any time off in a while. And I thought, why not benefit um, by only taking four days of leave to get a full week off? There you go. What are you going to do? Well, I had these grand plans in my head, but I've decided staycation. There you go. Very millennial yeah. thing to do. Yeah, I'm going to. I I got plans to play some trivia next a uh, couple nights this week. There you uh, go. Gonna gonna curl twice. So yeah, it's going to be a pretty full week. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a very exciting week for you, Scott, which is good because we just came off a very exciting weekend of curling in Pictou County, Nova Scotia, and elsewhere, which we'll get to. But let's start, Scott, with the Tour Challenge. We previewed it last week, talked about how we thought the Tier 2 might be a little more interesting than the Tier 1. I think some of the Tier 1 teams hurt us and wanted to shove it back in our face by playing some great curling. <laughs> Yeah, there was some definite, definitely some great curling there. I uh, I watched the women's quarters, and then I was out the rest of the day uh, supporting the local arts community, Sean. So oh, I didn't nice. see any more tomorrow night or from last night. But uh, the finals today, they sure did deliver some great plays. Yeah, some absolutely phenomenal uh, games today so let's start with the women's final then scott which between carrie anderson taking on anna hasselberg in the final there and really uh, an overall scott I, I was very impressed with this game i took a lot of notes uh, about this game and there's a few things that really stood out to me in watching it the first was that um, Carrie Anderson had a couple misses that were line calls. And yeah. that's what opened up the door to Anna Hasselberg. And I, it's one of these things where when we've seen Carrie Anderson and this team struggle, which has been few and far between, it hasn't really been on line calls because they're all skips. They can all call line. And I was very, very surprised to see Val, and it was Val Sweeting, really, who missed the call. We love mm -hmm. Val Sweeting, but she misses the call, which gives, it's in the sixth end, which gives Anna Hasselberg a chance that they're calling, they're actually calling for them to try and make it curl more. It's a draw to the button, to the edge of the forefoot. They're calling to sweep it more, and it ends up rubbing on the front, wide open hit for three. Yeah, pretty devastating right there, you know, that, even calling that shot in that situation takes a lot of guts, I think, to go for it like that, uh, knowing that the tolerance is to be wide. You you just don't want to give up three there. 
is is the right. real thing. Yeah, you're and, down one, playing the sixth end. Yeah, it's just uh, just like real, real devastating. And and I think earlier in the game too, there was some places where they put the broom down in the wrong spot. There was one spot, uh, I think it was coming away on sort of the right hand side of the sheet where uh, it curled a lot and uh, both teams got caught on it but it seemed like Anna Hasselberg was the team that was able to adjust faster uh, to, to the ice conditions and we see that with with them popping two threes in the game and that I mean that's the difference right oh yeah de- definitely but even with that I think the Anderson team played really well I took a note in the second end that Hasselberg her last one she rolled a bit on a hit and I wrote maybe there's a shot for two and Carrie Anderson did not hesitate. She just went was like, yeah, of course it's there. She made it no problem. So mm-hmm. they were playing yep. with a lot of confidence. They were making great shots. It's just that mistake in six that really stands out. Cause th- that's the type of mistake that we have not seen from this team. No, they, they're few and far between the mistakes and they were a team this week. They had to come through the tiebreaker uh, they were going up against Sylvana Terenzoni's team, who hadn't lost a game. Alina Pats had been the number one skip through the whole week, throwing 86%. And then they they come out making everything in that yeah. quarterfinal game. Like, it, Switzerland, they just, like, Alina Pats didn't have shots when it came down to her rocks. Like, uh, the only shots that were missed in the first three ends of the game were, were Pats's and it was only because she didn't have anything to shoot at because everybody else was making all their shots. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they came out on fire in the uh, in the playoff round and managed to push Hasselberg and just those little little mistakes, like you say that that line call by Val. Yeah, it's hard to pin it all on one person, but that's that's something that can't happen at this level. And it's a bit of a detriment when your sweepers are so effective that they can make it move that much, right? You, you like it for sure, but, but sometimes you underestimate their ability. So you end up with a situation like we saw today. Yeah. And that's really the, the end of the game at that point, you, you know, Hasselberg's up seven, three playing seven. And that's really it at that point. Yeah. I mean, Rob Falds was all there. I mean, Anderson gets a deuce in seven after, after Anna Hasselberg does her best Jason Gunlifson impression on her last rock, throws it as hard as she can and flashes. And Rob Fultz was all there. Like he oh, was yeah. there in the moment. Oh, this is so exciting. Like you never know what's going to happen. The tour challenge. Yeah. Like really pushing <laughs> for people to stick around for that eighth end. Uh, Rob Fultz was in it uh, big time. Yeah. He was, uh, uh, he was doing his best Scott Hansen impression yeah, at around uh, <laughs> 4 p.m. Eastern time there the at the Red Zone Channel. Witching hour, yeah. It was, it was. So, so Falls was there, but I mean, Hasselberg plays the seventh and the eighth ends perfectly uh, to get out of it, and so really it is that sixth end, that sweeping air, that or, or line call air. It's not so much. It's hard to put that on the sweepers. It's a line call air, and that's really the the turning point in that game. So, congratulations to Anna Hasselberg, their third. Grand Slam victory as a team, two coming last year, of course, in the first two events of the season at the Elite Ten and the Masters. They didn't play in the Tour Challenge last year because of the European Championships. So, again, with the reshuffling of the schedule this year, they're able to play in it 
they've won it, and they are now three-sevenths of the way, three-eighths of the way, to a career Grand Slam. Yeah, yeah, I suppose they are. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that uh, Elite 10 title, uh, you know, the other teams won't get a chance at it. That's right. Yeah, no, but uh, Anna Hasselberg, it, it is interesting to see, right, um, talking about the European Championships that are starting next weekend. I believe they're starting the 16th. Um, and so having these these teams that are in Canada and then a, the ability to have a week off and then go and start the Europeans, uh, it, we saw a little more skill at this event than we would have seen otherwise. Yeah, I think at both levels too, right? I think it helps the Tier 2 event by pushing some teams who might have otherwise made it into the Tier 1 event if some of the European teams weren't there to the Tier 2. So overall, it's a higher caliber of play for the fans. Yeah, and we'll we'll see if there's any hangover for those teams that uh, that were at this event this weekend once they move in to the Europeans. And uh, yes, I was right. They start the 16th, so next Saturday. So there you go. And uh, although it's sorry, it's showing up for me as the 15th. Well, the 15th is the Friday, so maybe there's like uh, opening ceremony or something. Oh, there you go. So, um, but it starts next weekend. Regardless, they're uh, in Sweden this year, so Anna Hasselberg will be the home team. Yeah, we saw how well it worked for them uh, in the uh, World Cup last year, right, Sean? Hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, hmm. So elsewhere, both them and Nicholas Sedin. Yeah, it uh, it doesn't always go the way you plan. Um, mm-hmm. So elsewhere in the women's field, I think some. Uh, interesting results at not every event. Are you going to have a Jennifer Jones against Rachel Holman tiebreaker game with both teams at two and two Jennifer Jones wins that game to get into the playoffs. So Rachel Holman now over two getting into the playoffs. That's the thing that for me stands out the most out of the women's side. If it, for teams other than the teams that make it to the finals. Uh, yeah, that uh, is for sure you know, an alarm bell for team Homan. Uh, they're not worried no. because they're, they're no. supremely confident, but you know, that's uh, something that as they're working back from uh, maternity leave, speaking of maternity leave, Sean, team Roth comes out with a real strong week behind Tabitha Peterson, throwing skip rocks for the first time in her life. As I found out listening to the telecast there, she's never skipped before. Comes out 4-0 in the round robin uh, and beats that Jennifer Jones team in the quarterfinal. Yeah. In a game that, that like, they had no business winning. Jennifer <laughs> Jones really let them back in it. Uh-huh. Um, and, and they managed to squeak through. So, like, uh, you know, maybe you look out Nina Roth. Uh, <laughs> she on the hot seat? What do you think? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> You know, a really great week for them, which which we what we can talk about it now. A great week for American curling. All four teams in the field at the Tour Challenge, whether it's Tier 1, Tier 2, make it into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Pretty so, good, eh? Yeah, so a, a very good week for American curling this weekend. And certainly Nina Roth and that, or the Nina Roth team 
at the top of the standings there going 4-0 into the playoffs. As you say, beating Jennifer Jones. So great job by them. Nice momentum there. And again, looking forward to the American Championships, Jamie Sinclair is sitting there. And now we can look forward to seeing what will likely be a Roth-Sinclair final. In all likelihood, and and that's what we saw last year, and it was a, a pretty good game. Jamie Sinclair was in control most of the way, but um, th- they're the two best, and you know any te- any one of those teams can beat each other in any given day. For sure. I don't think that's saying anything crazy. So, no. um, yeah, it's always fun if if that's what we end up with. I think everybody will be pretty satisfied. Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, some some good results there. Elsewhere, Chelsea Carey takes the uh, collar, going 0 for 4. Uh, so, uh, sort of less than stellar start to their Grand Slam season. Elena Stern, after a couple big wins or, or the big event win, and then beating Rachel Holman at the last Grand Slam, she also takes a collar, going 0 for 4. So, you know, the the growing pains of a young team on display there. Uh, and then, as we see so many times at these events, Scott, a lot of tiebreakers, which was not good in terms of the, uh, which we'll get to our picks, and certainly my fantasy team. But uh, overall, mm. overall I, I think this is an event where we talk about in our preview that, you know, it's the same teams, and we just saw this thing. Those four semifinal teams were different. So, you know, if we want to talk about parity and seeing different teams and, and having other people get opportunities at these events, Carrie Anderson, Suzuki Fujisawa, Nina Roth, Anna Hasselberg, that's your semifinal teams, and that's not likely to happen again, and that's no knock on those four teams. It's just because the, the we're at the point now where maybe we're at, what do you think, 10, 12 teams that could win? I think so, but but I also think that because these events have become so rote in the way that we talked about last week, like this is the exact same event that happened two weeks ago, right? Yep. That maybe all these big teams are feeling a little bit of fatigue, thinking, well, what do I have to get up for that makes it different than than any other event that we play in, right? Like yeah. any given week, any of these teams can beat each other. But I think if this is the a higher profile event, I think Rachel Holman, you know, they're they're sort of ramping up their season with the eyes at, at the Scotties and then the Worlds. And I think if this was the Scotties, that we wouldn't see them missing out on the playoffs. Uh, they they're, so, they're I don't know if there's enough like juice there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, maybe not. And certainly, I don't think Rachel Holman is necessarily the, the best test case for this with two players who no. are... Uh, you know, who had babies over the summer and are admittedly, when you talk to them, still working their way back into game shape. So that's probably not the best test case for it. But yeah, I, I do see your point that there's a, a sameness to these and, and there's not, there, I mean, there's money at stake and, and points and, and all that good stuff. But at some point when you have set your schedule around national championships that are in the service of building to the Olympics, these events don't really help in that regard. 
and the the money's nice and these events really are there almost to sustain these teams financially in a lot of ways of the, the top top teams because there's so much mm-hmm. money at stake and exposure for sponsors and all that that yeah the wins and lose the wins and losses in some of these events occasionally yeah, can feel a little less than important yeah i think especially for an event happening two weeks after the last one it, something's got to be different different about it i i like the canadian open with the triple knockout i understand that the players aren't gonna accept something that's maybe two pools with fewer teams making the playoffs that kind of thing because you know those take longer yeah. um so it, it's gonna have to be something that the grand slam of curling works out with the players because uh, i mean we'll see if sportsnet gets the kind of ratings they're looking for to be honest, I don't know if they need them, but it, but it to me is like, oh yeah, that's on, right? Okay, I'll check that out. As much as we talk about it and we like it, yeah, yeah, we're the market for it and we're not overly enthused. Yeah, it's not like it's the Briar or the Scotties where it's appointment TV. Right. But nor does it, nor does it have to be. It just has to be something. It just has to be a draw. And right now, there's not a draw. At this particular yeah, and event. I mean, and I did watch, you know, yeah. like I said today, but I had my two screens going, so yeah. So, uh, so let's let's talk about the tier two. It was, in fact, Minji Kim in the field, and Minji Kim wins the tier two, beats Justin Murphy in the final in a game, Scott, that Justin Murphy will either never forget or has already forgotten about uh nine to two is the final it was nine nothing justin murphy a couple bad moments there for this team Uh, at one point the lead uh, in the fourth end they give up a a steal of two the lead for justin murphy kicks the rock away before team kim can look at it it was unclear whether or not it would have been one or two course you have to give the second point when it's kicked away early so that's not great they follow that up by giving up a steal of four in the fifth end to go down nine nothing play the six to get their deuce but a game that i think a lot of people aren't that familiar with justin murphy and her play throw this one out the window uh this is not reflective at all of that team or her ability just uh, you know one of their first times on TV with a crowd, Arena Ice, just, no, it, this is just one of those days. Uh, it's not to take anything away from Minji Kim. Put pressure on her all day. Great game for them, but this was one that was over almost before it started, it felt like. Yeah, yeah, some some bad luck, you know, to get going. And uh, some of these uh, women on the team are from the Ottawa area. I believe uh, the lead, Grace Hollyoak, is is from ottawa um steph matheson's the second uh so you, you know like i gotta i gotta say it's a great week for them they've they've been sort of on the on the scene in the ontario world for a while but uh this is their first chance uh, at one of these grand slams and i think they had a pretty great week all things considered right oh yeah no question a great week for them to make it to the final of this event and you're going up against the team, the Olympic silver medalist, right? And they had to yeah. go through a field, as we talked about last week, with something like someone someone did the math, something like 35 to 40 Scotty appearances were in the tier two field. 
as was yeah. uh, a two-time world champion and the and an Olympic silver medalist. This was not a easy field to get through. Uh, you also have you know multiple world junior champions in this field. It was a really really good field on that tier two. That's why we were so excited about it and mm-hmm. a great week for them, no question. Yeah, I'll I'll correct you there. It's Minji Kim, not uh, Yun Yunjun Kim, who is the silver medalist. Uh, All right, excuse so, me. Yes. So Minji Kim, uh, great run at the Worlds last year for right, excuse me, representing yes. Korea. Uh, good, thank you. <laughs> um, also, <laughs> I, you know, yeah, just got on the way. Yeah, she she beat Holly Duncan, fellow Ontario competitor. Uh, beat Corinne Brown, which was a team that I looked at at the beginning of the week as a one to watch, yeah. you know, uh, had a great week for them too, going four and two in the end and, uh, losing out in that semifinal. Um, Laura Walker's team, who's the team I picked to win it, Sean didn't even make the playoffs. No. So yeah, a, a tough, tough event and uh, a great showing for this young team. Hopefully they can take that, uh, and bring it on to the Ontario, Scotties, where uh, I'm sure they'll be participating. Now, uh, Justin, of course, her, she usually plays with her mom, and they mentioned that uh, her mom wasn't there because her father is a little, uh, it's not doing so great, is sick right now. Yes. So uh, wish wish our best wishes out to, to the Murphy family. Yes, absolutely. Uh, they were at home watching, as Mike Harris said on the broadcast, uh, probably watching and, and hoping for some you know, lift their spirits a bit, and maybe the, the result wasn't what they were looking for. But yeah, certainly mm-hmm. all, all, all the best wishes out there to the Murphy family. So Scott, how did we do on our picks on the women's side? That is a great question. Let me bring up our sheet. Yeah. So you mentioned that you had picked uh, uh, Laura Walker to win on the tier two side. I I had Binia Felcher to win as the two-time world champion in the field. She loses in the quarterfinals to Beth Peterson there. Um, you know, Elsewhere across the bracket, you see Suzanne Burt. She makes the playoffs. You had a situation similar to what we saw on the Tier 1 side where we have a lot of teams that are in tiebreakers. So, mm. you know, Marianne Arsenault is in a tiebreaker. But Laura Walker doesn't make the playoffs from a tiebreaker. Andrea Crawford mm-hmm. misses from a tiebreaker. So, you know, a lot of teams were bunched up at two and two there. So it, it's not a case of that someone like Laura Walker had a bad week. It just this was a really solid field. A lot of teams pretty equal in skill level. So when you get down to it, two and two, and then a coin flip game in a tiebreaker, that's going to happen. Yeah, and uh, Justin Murphy, of course, made uh, the playoff through a tiebreaker as well. So, yeah. you know, uh, one rock here or there, anything can happen. But, uh, Sean, i got to tell you, your winner pick, Rachel Homan, not making the playoffs. Not making the playoffs, yeah, that's not great. Bad showing for you. Uh, <laughs> you also picked Elena Stern, didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, she didn't but... win a game. <laughs> You picked uh, Carrie Anderson and Jennifer Jones to make the playoffs. So you get two points there. Uh, On my side, also a little bit uh, not so great because I did use my picks on my fantasy team, which we'll get to later. 
Uh, well, I had Chelsea Carey and uh, Yoshimura team there. Uh, both didn't make the playoffs. Uh, I did pick Anna Hasselberg to make the playoffs, but I picked Tieran Zoni to win. So uh, give me two points for playoff appearances for the, both of those two. All right, so tied in the first pyre in the women's section of the Tour Challenge. Let's shift over to the men's in a game that Rob Falls, if I was the president of Rogers Communication and I was turned on my TV at 3.30 Eastern time and I saw the little tease about what the game was going to be and then Rob Falls says, you're going to want to tune in. You'll be Brad you did. He would have been off the air by 3.32 p.m. Uh, if I was the president. That like that, that was, is a fireable offense. It was so it was so bad. Because, and not just because it was a terrible pun. And I, I generally like Rob Fault. But he had done it during the women's game so many times. Talking about the Battle of the Brads when they were previewing the, the next game. And then he starts it off with that. And... You know he was just so proud of himself. He was just so happy. If you'd seen the smug look on his face while he was saying it, oh man! Yeah. So uh, take so away the, his signing bonus. <laughs> so the battle of Brad Gushu, Brad Jacobs. This was a pretty good game overall, I think. Brad Jacobs ends up getting the win to capture the tour challenge for the second year in a row. I, yep. be- I believe that. <laughs> okay. Yes, that, that's right. It was back to back. Yeah. Okay, and, and some really good shot making here, Scott. In holy this cow, game. great shot making, Sean. This was this was like incredible last two ends. Well, it, I don't even think it was just that. It was a case where, um, like I, I I took so many notes in the third end. Mark Kennedy had a, a amazing call on a rock that the front end was on Jacob's last, that they're calling heavy the whole way. They're trying to play a freeze. They're calling it heavy. Kennedy has a great line call to actually get it to where they need it to be, just a little rub, mm-hmm. which gets them the steal there. Uh, in the in the third end, you have a crosshouse double from Gushu, uh, or excuse me, from Jacob's that forces Gushu to a single you have in the fifth end brad gushu plays a double the first rock he hits is out of the rings because he doesn't want to give brad jacobs a chance to split it in for two yeah like like, yeah it's not like the last two ends were great but all the way through you're seeing really good shot making and great execution from both teams it was a very impressive and clean game all the way around yeah, I, I'm looking at the line score right now and looking at the uh, difficulty of the shots out of five that Curling Zone does. Yeah. Uh, Brad Gushu at 2.68, Brad Jacobs at 2.86. And those are the highest numbers I've seen for a final in a long time. Usually it's around two. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, like super difficult shots. And like with those kind of difficult shots, 83% and 79 respectively for Gushu and Jacobs. Like, they're, they were making crazy shots. The run back in seven that Brad Jacobs threw, that was just like, oh, yeah, I'll throw this. And they get three. And you see the, yeah, come on, boys, like the, the pumping, which, yeah. Yeah, you know, okay, yeah. take it or leave it, whatever. But 
Brad Gushy was playing that whole end, as they were saying on the broadcast, just to like not give up four, which is weird. Right. Yeah, you can give, yeah, you can give away the the three or not give away. They Jacobs score three and you're fine. And they said that and yeah. you just can't give up the four. What was crazy too about that last shot in seven is that that's not what he called from the I think end. it did. Not from it the is. end. No, he called a pick and then he went to the other end and they changed it. Like his, ah, okay. right, his initial call was to pick out the Gushu stone and go for one. And get one, yeah. But he gets down there and he looks at it. And, and you could see, it was a great job by Sportsnet. And they do this a lot where they show the the angle, this for sort of that above the hack camera from the shooting end. And just from that angle, it really looked a lot easier than the pick. And mm-hmm. Jacobs comes down. And you heard the front end. You heard the Harnden say, as Jacobs was coming down, that they liked this run. And... He gets there and he looks at it and says, I think the run. I think EJ yeah. says it. And then Jacobs is like, yeah, I, I agree. And yeah. EJ was all over it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's uh, one of those things where, you know, it, it really depends where you're looking at it from and what's easier. But for that team, a, 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 the pick was not easy. And it's a pick for one. The, the way that they can make those runs, it's... Yeah. I was... I was in watching it, I was surprised when they initially settled on the pick. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I didn't even think they did. I was, I was making dinner as I was watching it. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I would have been shocked if they threw that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, and the other thing about it too is that you know you have Kennedy there who he, I think he liked both and was sort of either or and that Jacobs thought pick it was okay but you saw during this game a couple times where Mark Kennedy took control of the house when he's talking to Brad Jacobs uh, specifically in the sixth end I took a note of it that uh, Brad Jacobs wants to play a super aggressive really hard shot and Kennedy kind of sort of talks him out of it into the more conventional play to be a little more conservative and, and play an end that it ultimately works out for them. But, you know, you still had that moment, as you said, in the, the seventh with the, you know, come on and the, the Harndons have their big cheer. Mark Kennedy put his arm in the air, I think just to like be part of the team. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. not really his style. Um, yeah, I don't think he said anything. He just, he put his arm in the air. And, um, but th- those are the moments when we were talking about Mark Kennedy on this team, that's where we wanted to see it. And, I think it's really paying dividends that Brad Jacobs, I mean, his line calls are still a little over the top and the celebrations, they are what they are. I don't think you're ever going to get that out of Brad Jacobs, but in the house, he seems more under control. Yeah, I agree. hundred uh, percent. They, they seem in control and obviously had a, had a really great week and a, and a good, a, a good sort of handle on the ice in the event. No question. On the other side, Scott, Brad Gushu was unbelievable in mm-hmm. this event. There, I, I tweeted out last night in watching the semifinal that they didn't really show the seventh or eighth end against Cooey. He's up four to two against Cooey playing the seventh end. Cooey has the hammer, and from what they showed, 
It seems like Brad Gushu played two textbook ends. There was nothing in front of the house in either of those ends. He concedes the two to have the hammer coming home tied, and there was nothing in the house in the eighth end, or nothing in front of the house in the eighth end for his last shot. Like just two absolutely textbook ends after getting the early lead in that game, going up four nothing. Kevin Cooey plays uh, a rather aggressive shot in the second end, if memory serves, and it doesn't quite work out for him. But it just you just saw what is going on, and with, with Brad Gushu, and if he's playing like this. I know he's lost the two finals, but he made the two finals at the Grand Slams. And when they're playing like this, they are hard to beat. And for as impressive as Brad Jacobs was today, I think Brad Gushu might have had the best week, which I know sounds weird because they didn't win, but they were phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. It's a team you can never count out, right? Um, Because they've got that ability to do it. They can beat anybody in the world. If they're not the best team, they're the second or the third. Who knows, right? It's sort of a, a toss-up with, with them and Cooey and Adine and and it's it's fun to watch when they're on. Yeah, so the game today is the only game that they lost in the event, beating Scott McDonald, Nick Adine, uh, uh, Glenn Howard, I almost said Russ Howard, uh, Glenn Howard, John Epping, Nick Adine again in the quarterfinals, Cooey, and then of course losing to Jacobs today. So a very impressive performance for them. The numbers are off the charts in what they did over the week. So uh, a very impressive performance for them. Absolutely up in the nineties. Uh, and if, if this team's going to play this way, uh, going into the national in conception Bay South hometown team, yeah, boy, it could be it could be a loud rocking arena in there, Sean. Yeah, and they they had the crowd with them today. They're in Pictou County, and when Brad Jacobs makes the shot in seven for the three, I would describe the crowd's reaction as underwhelming. Huh? They didn't. Yeah, seem to, they they did not seem too impressed. No, I I I think that it's fair to say when Brad Gushu is playing, he is the favorite. More than more than eighty percent of the time, no matter where he plays, that's I think, true. Uh, yeah, that they, they're sort of super well liked, and you know, Brad Gushu is cute, so the he's girls just, like he's him. Just so and, damn uh, cute, that guy. <laughs> just so damn cute. And now he's got his beard going. You know, yeah, shades good. of gray in there though, Scotty. Ah, uh, it's a good look. Uh, Mark well, Nichols has well, had some shades of gray through. for a while too. <laughs> Uh, the other thing too, in, in terms of, of in that category, where do we fall on shaved head Brad Jacobs versus not shaved head Brad Jacobs? Because uh, we've seen both, right? He's now returned to the shaved head. Yeah, he goes he goes a little too shaved, I think. Like he bicks his head. Yeah. And and I mean, I'm a, a bald man with a beard. Mostly because I have to be, because Mother Nature <laughs> dictates it. I don't think Mother Nature dictates it for uh, Mr. Jacobs. So no, I would say have, uh, he seems to have pretty good coverage still. Yeah, I would say uh, appreciate what you have. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I, I I like him better with hair too. It's you see, he looks nicer. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a kind of guy you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley. You know, once uh, once he shaves his head. So yeah. 
So, so yeah, I, I took that was actually one of my notes this week when I turned on the TV and I was like, oh, shaved head Brian ah. Jacobs. Huh, where's that? Um, elsewhere in the field, uh, not as many tiebreakers here on the men's side. We did have a couple, though. Sadly, Jason Gunlison did not make it. They said on the broadcast today he threw a 5.1 second hit this week, which uh, sort of a light control for him. Um, you also have uh, Glenn Howard is back playing with the team after he took the last event off. They make the playoffs and have a pretty nice run there, going three and one. John Schuster makes the playoffs, as we said, as the American contingent does extraordinarily well. The one team or one of the teams that we were looking at, Scott Scott McDonald, goes over again in a grand slam they're now zero and eight on the season in these two events not a great start for them having some difficulty sustaining their uh, success from last year even on the little things like they did not start the game with the hammer at all so they lost Mm. the last stone draw in every one of their games so a real struggle for them and then the other team was matt dunstone we wanted to see how they would respond. They go one and three and miss the playoffs. Yeah, a tough pool for, for Matt Dunstone looking at it in, in the pool with uh, Brendan Botcher, Brad Jacobs, and Gunlicks in there. The lone win they get against Yannick Schwaller, which is another interesting team because they're going to represent Switzerland at the European Championships, Sean. Yes. And their last two events are uh, one and three in the Masters and 0 oh and four here. So uh, not riding super high into Europeans and uh, to to look at the other Swiss team Peter de Cruz they also take a caller going over four in this event so Switzerland was over on the men's side yeah so a bit of a tough uh, a tough going there for the Swiss contingent mm-hmm. there at the tour challenge so uh, elsewhere let's move on then to the tier two event a lot of really good teams in this field and I don't know if you want to call it an upset, Scott, but the Young Bucks are your champions. Corey Dropkin and his team beat Tanner Horgan in the final, despite Tanner Horgan getting out to a 2 nothing and then a 2-1 lead with the hammer. You know, Early on, it looked like Tanner Horgan was in really good shape, but all credit to the Young Bucks. They come back get it to the point, they have the hammer in the 8th end in a 4-4 game, get the open hit, Corey Dropkin makes it. That, you know, you, you don't want to overreact, of course, even though that's what we do. Um, <laughs> that, that feels like a not insignificant win. No, it's definitely a significant win, right? The I think both teams played pretty well in this final. Yeah. It was a super well-played game. Uh, it just came down to who had the hammer in the last end, and uh, that was the Young Bucks. And yeah, there you go. They they managed to win. I was a little surprised they beat uh, they beat Cam Bryce in the quarterfinal. Yep. That was a team that we saw playing here in Ottawa a couple of weeks ago. The a junior team from Scotland, uh, and and then they beat Mike Fournier. You know, uh, not an easy road for Corey Dropkin, but uh, it's nice to see this team getting a little more experience. Uh, Tanner Horgan, on the other hand, uh, how about that shot in the semi last night against Kirk Myers? Yeah. I, you think, I, you I think he'll be that. seeing that? <laughs> I, I tweeted that it was uh, 
it was not unimpressive to continue my double oh. negative uh, run, but that was an incredible shot to win the game. And, you know, we, we talked about it at, at the Masters that, you know, we thought Matt Dunstone had the shot of the year. You know what? I, maybe maybe Tanner Horgan's is better, but... I mean, the thing about Tanner Horgan's is a run-back double to win the game. Yes. Right? They, they were down two and needed to score three to win and did it. Yeah. Like, that that's super impressive. And you got to think Kirk Myers is like, really? Yeah. 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 This uh, guy? Really? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. But again, I mean, Tanner Horgan is really good. And, yes, he is. Yes. And he's got that great team now at Manitoba. And he has the experience. You know, you hate to – is losing ever good? I don't know. But two extremely tough losses in Northern Ontario finals – tough loss here but the skill is there and once once they start winning like look out man uh you know team mccruthers might get run over by a train Mm -hmm. by Mm -hmm. by these guys in manitoba i mean if there's any reason that that uh team mccruthers as we call them do get to the briar it's a lot of reason to cheer for them to be able to see tanner horgan have that uh uh, maybe slightly easier path the next year to get to the Briar because once we see him there, I I gotta believe he's not going to want to relinquish that spot for a long time. Yeah, it could be a situation too, like what we saw with Brendan Botcher, right? The first time he gets there, struggles. I think Botcher went either three and eight, four or seven or something. It was in the old format. Yeah. But every time back, he's gotten better and gotten further in the event. And just seeing Tanner Horgan at some of these big events at the senior level he's gone through a similar process, right? Get there, learn how it goes, improve, have some tough losses. And, and it really feels like he is on the verge of a major breakthrough. They said on the broadcast today, they thought they had enough points to qualify for the Canadian open in Yorkton, regardless of if they won this game. And then mm-hmm. of course winning the game gets the, the auto berth, but they expect based on the schedule they've played, to be able to or to have enough points to qualify for a Grand Slam, which I hope is the case because it would be nice to see them in the full field to see how they react to that. Mm-hmm. But it's just oh, absolutely. It's great to see them. I, I tweeted today, uh, I think Megan tweeted at us about the, how good that family is. And I, I was like, yeah, they, they could probably sell tickets to a family fun spiel. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they've represented Northern Ontario at Mixed. I could be wrong, but I think uh, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, at the very least, in juniors, but uh, but maybe so. Yeah, a super talented family. Uh, it would be pretty cool to see to see them play in the the main field. Yeah. So uh, so overall, very impressive there. The other team I want to mention, of score, of course, Scott is the team that I picked to win. Yacht Van Dorp. They not the greatest start but they do come through get it into the quarterfinals tough game quarterfinal game with kirk myers they lose but uh, i think an impressive enough performance for them yeah two and two yeah made made the playoffs won a playoff game right uh i don't uh, know no, they really made the, they won the tie they won the tiebreaker right uh yeah. so not a real not really the playoff game but uh yeah, I, they're one of these teams that's heading into Europeans, and I could see them making the playoffs, or I could see them getting relegated. Like I, I don't know. 
they've been pretty close to 500 all year. Playing a lot, which is good. Um, I do hope that we get some uh, Wooter Goskins yeah. uh, big shots, you know, on the across the ice coverage at Europeans. I want to see some. Oh yeah, like <laughs> uh, see some of that passion. I like to see it from them uh, because he's not as intimidating looking as Brad Jacobs. <laughs> Yeah, and actually, I just want to correct ourselves. They did not have to play in a tiebreaker, uh, the two and two with the all the other machinations. They made it in as the fourth ranked team there. Okay, and then lost to Kirk Myers in that yeah. quarterfinal. Yeah, so, so. so a two and three overall in their performance on the week. So Scott, that was the team that I picked to win the tier two. Who did you have in the tier two? Well, I had Kirk Myers. No, so we were and up against I, each other in the quarters. And uh, obviously I prevailed, so I should get a little bonus for that. But uh, <laughs> but, but for a Tanner Horgan uh, hero shot, what could have been, Sean? That's true. What could have been? There's no way to know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Kirk Myers on the order of merit, by the way, uh, sitting at number 19 right now. I believe they were the highest team in the field for the... The, uh, tier two. Okay. So they'll be on the verge too, depending on how things shake out the next couple of weeks and the points they get from this. Maybe maybe they can sneak into that top 15. And even if they don't, not everyone's going to play in that, uh, the Canadian Open. And there is also a, a spot available for uh, a sponsor's exemption, at least there has been in the past, for the Canadian Open. So wouldn't be surprised to see Kirk Myers there, given that it's in Yorkton. Yeah, yeah, with the Saskatchewan connection, that's true. I, I'm going to correct myself and say that Braden Calvert, sitting at 17 on the Order of Merit rank, pretty interesting, eh? Well, I mean, he's played in Grand Slams before. They play a heavy schedule. That's right, that's right. And, the, and that's the thing about the Order of Merit is that if you play a lot, you can earn a lot of points. Yeah. So uh, so in the tier, so neither of us get anything for the Tier 2. How do we do in the Tier 1 side, Scotty? Well, on the tier one side, Sean, one of us did pretty well. I will uh-huh. say that it's me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, of course, picked Brad Jacobs to win uh, because I'm a incredible human slash genius. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, I also had uh, Mike McEwen and Schuster, John Schuster there, nice. uh, both made the playoffs, so I get a point each for them. And Gunlickson was my other team who unfortunately lost in that tiebreaker. So you got uh, four points. That's, that's get a good score. Four big points. You know it. Uh, Sean, you had Kui to win. Uh, Botcher and Gushu also to make the playoffs. So that's three points for you. And unfortunately, Bruce Mowit yes. did, was unable to squeak into the playoffs unfortunately yeah that was uh that was a tough one for me so i get three points so you win the tour challenge between us guys tour challenge i win by a point and you won the masters by a point so we are tied okay um so as we move into the uh really getting to the meat of the season uh going in tied so that's nice you know we get our legs under us and and now we can really get into it. Uh, a couple other things that I just wrote down here in my notes from the games today, Scott. Uh, Kevin Martin gave us a new term uh, talking about, uh, it was the fifth end when they were talking about wanting to blank, Team Jacobs wanting to blank. He said, yeah, they want to go for the blank. Or they would also take a soft two. 
Uh, so oh. that, yeah, that that was one that I had not heard before. So maybe that will replace uh, forcing the team to two on our uh, on our bingo card for next year. Well, I know there are some products you can buy at the drugstore that'll help out with uh, <laughs> a getting a soft two. Um, and then the other thing I, I took note today of what was going on with the sixth shot of the end. So the team with the hammer, the seconds first shot, because mm-hmm. as we talked a few weeks ago, that was something with the five rock rule, as teams get more information, I would be curious to see if teams were bailing out on that rock in the first chance that they could just clearing it out. There were today, Scott, what I would say 13 ends in the two finals. So the games that we saw in their entirety, 13 of the ends that were played were not rote ends. There there were things that you had to think about. So I think the eighth end in the men's game and the seventh and eighth in the women's games, strategically, there's not a lot of debate about what you're going to try to do. So I didn't Mm -hmm. count them. So you have 13 ends overall. There's only three peels on those 13 shots. So my expectation of teams bailing out at the first possible opportunity, that did not happen. One of the peels was in the women's game, two in the men's game. So at least today, and again, my thought was, you know, as the stakes get higher, teams are going to be more willing to bail out earlier and just try and get out of ends. At least today Mm -hmm. that didn't happen. So I'm going to keep monitoring that. But I was really surprised. Yeah, that is surprising to me, too. You know, maybe they feel like they're in it already. Like, well, yeah. we're in it. Time to go. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of hits, like, I, I will say that, like a lot of right. stuff on, on things in the house, but not a lot of bailing out in front of the house. Yeah. And the men's game seemed to me like there was a lot more hitting uh, in the house as opposed to the women's game. Yeah, I agree. The women were playing a lot of freezes early on, and you mm-hmm. got a lot of situations where, you know, six, seven rocks were, the first six, seven rocks were in play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so that's just something to keep track of uh, with the rest of the season coming up. So there you have it, the Tour Challenge, Brad Jacobs on the men's side, and, of course, a big win for Corey Dropkin and the Young Bucks on the Tier 2 side. So, Scott, let's move on quickly. A couple other events happening this weekend. The Canadian Mixed Curling Championship, a, I don't know... Under the radar winner, if that's even fair to say. But you have Team Quebec coming up with the victory in the final. They beat James Gratton from Oromukdo. Really? <laughs> yeah, they, they, uh, Jean-Sébastien, Jean-Sébastien Roy and uh, the third of Emily Blais. Uh, Dan DeWard and Brendan Nichols at lead. They get the championship victory, winning 6-5 in the final over, oh, excuse me, um, Grant Odishaw, uh, skipping that team, my apologies, with Sylvie Killian, Mark LeCocq, and Jane Boyle. So a 6-5 win. Quebec is your national mixed curling champion. Pretty cool. I, I was curious. that The reason I said really is because I thought James Gratton was playing in the Tier two event. Yes, so that's where I got pretty, mixed up. Yes. Pretty cool if he had gone and like and then you know, just won. teleported 
teleported back uh, yeah. to the mix for some, yeah, some so, reason. Yeah, but, so uh, my, my apologies. I got so excited just to say, or Mukdo, uh, that I mixed up <laughs> Grant Odishaw and James Grattan, uh, Team Odishaw, of course, out of Moncton. So my apologies to them uh, there. And on the other side of the championship draw, uh, the Cooies, uh, Jamie Cooey, and of course, Sister Carrie Galusha, back end of the Northwest Territories team, they get a medal beating Manitoba 7-5 in the bronze medal match. So congratulations to them. You know, we don't often see the Northwest Territories get medals at these events, so uh, a nice week for them with a medal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Very well done. Very well done. So elsewhere, uh, Ontario, Kim Tuck is the MVP of the event. So congratulations to her. Uh, Saskatchewan and Sean Meacham just missed the playoffs at five and five. This is an interesting event, Scott. Quebec goes ten and zero through the round robin. They they use the seeding pool, the championship pool, the same as we see at the Briar and the Scotties. Now they go ten and zero. Mm-hmm. New Brunswick goes eight and two, and then everyone else is sort of clustered between six and four and four and six in that pool. Uh, a couple things of note for us. Alberta does not make it into the championship pool, which is something that you can very rarely say at a national event. And mm-hmm. uh, Gavin Jameson, friend of the show, former roommate of mine at Nipissing University, they have a, a struggle going 2-7 and seven on the week. But, Scott, he got the crest, so... I can't argue with that. Yeah, I'm excited for that. So uh, so congratulations to Quebec and all the participants out there at the Canadian Mixed Championship. Now it'll be a year before they can, uh, Jean-Sébastien Roy and that team can go out and play in the World Championships, but there is a World Championships to go to now. So very excited for them. So congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. Uh, a, a great job by everyone. In those events, uh, let's shift, Sean, to a 12 hours time difference and the Pacific Asia Curling Championships that happened last week. Uh, were you able to watch any of this? I did not get a chance to see any of it, sadly. The time difference between where we are here in Ottawa and the event there in Shenzhen, China, is just a little too much for me to overcome. Yeah, unfortunately, it was me too. But uh, it, it was a pretty interesting event. I'll, uh, I'll talk about the men first. So uh, the, the men's standings, uh, Korea, Japan, and China finished one, two, three, respectively. Those are the three teams that we all expected to be there at the end. Uh, but then we have, uh, so Korea's 9-0, and oh, Japan 8-1, and one, China 7-2. and two. And then uh, we see that... Uh, there's only one uh, one spot guaranteed at Worlds this year for the Pacific Asia region because Korea went and uh, sort of blew it <laughs> at Worlds last year by by finishing in last place. So uh, the, the, in the gold medal game between Korea and Japan, I'm stalling because I, <laughs> I'm trying to get the result. I'm pretty sure Korea won, but let me double check. It's loading. It's loading. It's almost there. Yeah, it was a blowout. It wasn't even close. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it eight to one? Or, eleven to oh, two. Ele- make your final. Eleven to two, which is really crazy, right? Because we saw Yuta Matsumura come in last year 
at the Worlds and play yeah. really, really well, uh, make uh, that championship pool. Uh, and now Team Korea, who was so terrible at the Worlds <laughs> last year, get they to get go to back. go back. Yeah. And, I mean, they were terrible at the Worlds last year, but they were pretty good at the Worlds the year before. So uh, sort of a, an up-and-down up and down uh, game for this team. For sure. Uh, and so now Japan and presumably China will uh, try to play off for the two extra spots at the world qualification event. Yes. So, yes. Any thoughts on that? They'll be fine. I, I'd be surprised if they don't get one of them, to be honest. I'd be pretty surprised, too. Yeah, yeah. Especially so, Japan. Yeah. So, so I think I, you know. Uh, I think they'll be fine. Um, but, yeah, certainly a, a big win for them. And this is one of those things, Scott, where you look at the scoreboard. Again, we didn't see the game, so we don't. I don't want to spend too, too much time talking about it. But it's one of these things where you look at the scoreboard and you say, Japan gets down 5 nothing halfway through the game. They get a 2, so they're down 5-2 playing the 7th end. Give up a 4. So it's one of these things where it really seems like doesn't go well in the first half of the game. Then they have to play super aggressively, give up the big number. Uh, did the same thing in eight to give up the steal, and then the game's over. So one of those games that just sort of gets out of control for you either. Not dissimilar, perhaps, to what happened to Justin Murphy this afternoon. Yeah, if it, it can get out of hand pretty pretty quickly, right? Yeah. Uh, the other the other game, or the other side to talk about, um, is on the women's side, where we have, again, China, Korea, and Japan, all three. Now, the interesting thing here, Sean... Is all three of the, there's only eight teams on the women's side yep. this year. All three of them finished six and one. All three of them beat sort of each other. So for seeding in the playoffs, we went to draw shot challenge. And yes. Team Japan uh, came out on top with an average uh, of 34 centimeters. Korea comes number two with 36.53 centimeters. And then China, all the way back at 71.4 centimeters. Now, you might be saying, Scott, why are you telling me this? (laughs) This is kind of dumb. Well, because Japan finished first, that means they had the the chance to play the number four team in the playoffs. So a a pretty big deal, right? And on the women's side, there's two, two places guaranteed in the world. So by getting into the final, you're guaranteed a spot at Worlds. Right, so the two and a half centimeters that Japan is better than Korea in the draw shot challenge. I, I mean, the the game against Hong Kong, we like Lin. I'm a fan of Lin's, so I of course root for Lin uh, or Ling, excuse me, in the these events when she goes and represents Hong Kong. I was excited that they made the playoffs. It's a great run for them. Obviously, absolutely. Obviously, though, the top three Japan, Korea, China are the class of the field. Uh, with all due respect to everybody else. Uh, but, you know, Ling won the games that she needed to. And it would be a b- pretty big upset for them to beat Japan. So you're right that winning that draw shot challenge is a big advantage in terms of ensuring your place at the world championship. That's right. And so because of that, the other game was Korea versus China. And China goes ahead and wins eight yes. to two in that game. Uh, this Chinese team, when we talked about the event, we no, we didn't talk about the event uh, on not. Rocks Across the Pond. 
they were thinking, boy, I, there's not a lot of information out there about this team. Uh, and that's true. And what makes it even more crazy is they went ahead and won the final against that team, Japan. So China is your PACC champions uh, with the guaranteed two spots. Both China and Japan will advance to Worlds. And uh, Korea, with the Korean women, are going to have to battle through at that uh, world qualification event. So, a bit of a disappointing week for Korea, I'd say. I don't know. You go six and one, uh, you know. It, and again, but you have a you have a country that uh, that that bronze or silver medal at the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, they came in, I think, bronze medal at Worlds last year. And yeah, bronze medal at Worlds. Um, they weren't sending either of their top two teams. That's the thing you have to remember so, then, right? That, that neither of the top two teams are there. They'll be at the world championship. Like that'll be fine. They'll get a spot in that qualifier. It's, it's not the end of the world. No, it's not, but it's, it's one of those things that like, it's an extra step, right? Yeah. yeah. And you never know what'll happen. You never know. Yeah, I, but again, I for as much as we may have crapped on the, the tour challenge in terms of its significance, I think having two teams in or having a team in that field is is better than sending the team to this, right? If you can send a B team to this or or, or not a top team to that to the the PACCs and you know have a chance and have a real good chance at securing that spot while having your top team over getting the exposure on television, helping with the sponsors and uh, getting the experience against the top teams. I think the risk was well worth it for Korea. Yeah. So we'll see what team ends up uh, going to that world qualification event. Uh, yeah. That, this that'll year. be really interesting for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all I had about that, Sean. All right. So uh, certainly uh, congratulations to everybody over there at the PACCs. Look like it was a fun event and uh, maybe next time, Scott, next year for the PACCs, maybe we can convince them to hold it uh, in Ottawa. Hey, that'd and, be cool. And then we could go. Um, we'll just sort of we'll just change the map somehow. Oh, I like it. Yeah, and I'm, we'll, we'll I'm, say that Ottawa's in the Pacific Asia region. Yeah, well, I'm looking at where the world qualification event is, Sean, and it's in uh, Lo Loha, Finland. I think that's where uh, they've held a lot of those junior Bs that Jonathan mm. has talked about on rocks yeah. across the pond. So, so uh, that's not so far. No, go there. Yeah, that, that could be workable. <laughs> actually, actually, I might be in Europe anyway. So swing by, just swing by Loha. Yeah, Europe's uh, Europe's easy to get around. Piece of cake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just rent a car. It'll be fine. Ain't nothing like it. So, uh, so there you have it. There's everything that went on in the world of curling this weekend, big weekend, uh, Canadian mixed PACCs, and of course, the Tour Challenge Tier 1, Tier 2. We will now look ahead on the show to the European Championships. Scott, we're going to do something a little different than what we normally do. We're not going to give it away yet, but... Look out, we think Tuesday morning, uh, there will be a new episode in the feed, something uh, a little fun, a little different that we're trying out. So definitely check it out. We'll be talking about the European Championships, which kick off later this week. Scott, are you excited about what we are going to do? I'm super excited, and I've done a lot of research. 
Yeah. So I'll I'll say that that I spent a lot of today doing research, distracting myself from the Buffalo Bills' terrible, terrible, terrible <laughs> loss. Yeah, it was not great. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was a wonky week in the NFL. So I, yeah, I have a lot to say, but uh, it's time to go to sleep. It is. So uh, enjoy your vacation, Scott. Thanks. We'll uh, we'll see you at the game tomorrow night. You're playing tomorrow night? Absolutely. Uh, playing back on the ice on a Monday night. Uh, I'll tell you what happened on Thursday. My team got mad at me. Uh, there was a threat of not sweeping a rock that I made um, after after we were losing by two. We were sitting one, and it was our last rock of the game, and somebody said throw a guard to protect against the plus-minus in case there's a tie break instead of trying uh, it Yeah. Uh, that, no way. That did not go over well with me, and I said, if we're going to lose, go. Let, let's lose in a blaze of glory trying to win. Yeah, uh, like, and, to quote Herm Edwards, Sean, you play to win the game. Yes, and to paraphrase Herm Edwards, you don't play to lose by one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Damn right. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so there was, a, uh, you know, there was a, uh, a spirited back and forth between uh, people who wanted to protect the plus minus and me who wanted to try to win. Uh, Yikes. So, uh, so yeah, so back uh, at it tomorrow night. Hopefully it goes a little more uh, positively overall. Uh, but we'll be back at it, and we'll be back at it on the show with the European Championships later in the week. So do look out for that. And to make sure you get it, please do subscribe to the show if you have not yet. Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Stitcher, Tune in all the various places where you can get your shows. We are there. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Game of Stones Pod. Scott's on those things at Scott Likes TV. I'm on Twitter at Dr. Shawnee Fever. And as always, you can email the show at Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. So we'll be back with you later in the week. But until then, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dub that intern. Make the final...